Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Did you know that yearly Medicaid renewals will start again soon? This means millions of people who were enrolled in Medicaid during the pandemic may no longer be eligible for coverage. If this may impact you, the good news is you have options. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield can help answer your questions so you can find an affordable health plan for you and your family. We want you to feel confident you're covered. Click to learn more. Policy exclusions and limitations apply. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name of Anthem Health Plans, Inc., Celtic State of Mind. It is Friday. My name is Laura Bradburn and I'm joined by Alan Morrison and Jim Moore. Apologies, I'm the one holding the crowd up today. Uh, I was a bit uh, a bit late, so um, and hopefully Brian will be joining us once he's logged in as well. Jim, how are you doing? Good. A bit all morning, so I'm freezing, so heating's up full blast. Indeed. Indeed. It was uh, <clears throat> pretty chilly last night, I have to say. I could. I had to ignore the cost of living crisis and crank the heating up. I thought I'm not suffering through this, but uh, anyway, Alan, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, same. Pretty, pretty chilly down here. A uh, little, little walk, afternoon walk, just curtailed because uh, it was too slippy. So uh, mm. yeah, 
it's uh, like you say, the, the heating keeps kicking on because it's just too cold, basically. So, yeah, yeah. Hope everyone's yeah. keeping warm. It is indeed quite treacherous out there. So, uh, yeah, everybody be careful. Anyway, plenty to discuss Celtic-wise. Um, uh, primarily uh, hitting the headlines today or yesterday, really, was the rumoured imminent departure of Idiguchi from Celtic Hope presumably headed back to his native Japan, if rumours are to be believed. Um, Jim, I'll come to you first on this one. Um, Some might say it's a bit of an inevitability, considering the lack of impact that he's had, the run of injuries and bad luck that he's had. Did you think he was going to eventually find find his way at Celtic, or was it one of those situations where, you know, um, it, it was an inevitability that he was going to be heading out? I think only Andrew will know if he's heading out or not. Brian, hello. Hello, Brian. <laughs> I think only Andrew will know whether he's heading out or not. There's been loads of stories in the paper the past few weeks of the World Cup, but you know, Yakimakis and Juranovic and all that nonsense. So if it happens, it happens. I think uh, in terms of the lad himself, I think he's been unfortunate. You get that horrendous injury at Alloa. Uh, one moment can change your career. You know, mm. John Kennedy. John Kennedy would know about that. He's not really had a chance. I don't think that's anyone's fault. Uh, I think people were saying, all oh, of the Japanese guys were coming in, he was the best. So until you actually see the guy, you don't know. And I think uh, I think in those kind of circumstances, it'd be good to see him go out and loan to another SPFL club so we can see what he can do. Because uh, we don't know what he can do. And we could be letting you know, a very good player go. On the other side of that, and sees him in training every day and training's meant to be full on. So so only Ange knows how this is going to pan out. And uh, it's dead easy to see, obviously, we get rid of this player and that player. These are human beings with contracts and families to support, etc. It depends what stage of the career the player's at. You know, young guy, middle middle of the career. So, so there's lots of factors in this. Uh, I tend not to believe anything you see in social media until it actually happens and then once it happens you can see whether you think that's a good good, bad or different but I take the point from having a debate about something we have to kind of maybe speculate about what may or may not happen but uh, I'd like to see him stay and go out and loan and let's see what he's like but but if Andrew's made his mind up and he's a player to go then, then fair but again we're talking as if this is something that's definitely going to happen or the rumours are true and as we know a lot of these rumours do not come to pass and therefore we shouldn't get too wound up about this kind of stuff because you've learned in the past, you know, uh, something that could happen, don't worry, it will happen at some point, but don't get worried. I mean, it's the same thing. Every every single player will go at some point in time. So are we getting worried about Yota going or Carter Vickers going? No, why not? Because no one's put it in the papers. So if somebody puts it in the papers, all of a sudden we're discussing it. And the amount of nonsense that people wrote about Yakimakis, mm. you know, I just let him go, he's rubbish. I turn nonsense, you know. So let's just see what happens uh, I'll let him to get a chance. Hopefully he does get the chance because I think, as I said, of of the Japanese boys coming in, I think he was the one that people thought he's the player. And uh, we've let good players go in the past and I'm sure we'll let good players go in the future. But it'd be good to see what he can do before he goes. It's different if you've got somebody who just doesn't cut it and you think, mm, it's maybe time to move him on. But I don't think that's the case with Adiguchi. Yeah, Alan, Jim raises a couple of good points there in that, you know, there are other situations and other things to consider as far as how a player settles in. It's not necessarily all to do with with their ability as a footballer. It's to do with external circumstances and sometimes the 
the attitude and the instructions of the opposition managers when they go out to kick lumps out of your players and things like that. But um, but as far as Adiguchi's concerned, are you are you in Jim's camp of you know wanting to keep a hold of him, but maybe send him out on loan, or do you think he's had enough chances? Do you think that the time, his time at Celtic is is up for you? Would you be happy to see him move on? Yeah, I mean, he he was certainly the victim of, um, <coughs> you know, a, a tactical approach at Alloa, let's call it, mm. um, and and and, and you know, sympathy with him for that. Um, very occasionally, there are players who you see, and this is just my opinion, who you know, uh, there isn't the data because he hasn't played that many games, but just on the eye test, you, you know, you, you can come to a quite a quick conclusion. And for me, Idiguchi is one of these that just doesn't look anywhere near the quality of player that Celtic need, uh, to be honest. Uh, you know, it is what it is. He's a professional footballer. I take all Jim's points about he's a human being, et cetera, et cetera. But all of those things would become easier if you were performing and you were off the standard that was going to help the group and help help the manager. Um, he just he just doesn't have enough um, in terms of you know, any of his attributes, really, I think, to, to and, and this is really just based on the eye test, because I said I don't have the data. Um, you know, he, he's not particularly big, strong, powerful. He's not particularly, he doesn't move quickly. He doesn't particularly incisive with his passing. You know, give, give, gives the ball away. He's it, just, I think he's just at a level above his capabilities, is my view. I think he'd be better served probably in, at a lower level, uh, probably in a more technical league as well. Um, and, and probably, you know, it was it was a very low low cost, low risk um, purchase, and it didn't work out. And so, I think you just, for me, you just move on, um, and hopefully, you find somewhere that he can he can flourish and, sh- and show show the best side of himself. Um, and you know, sorry if that sounds harsh, but you know, I love all Celtic players un- <laughs> unconditionally. But um, you know, it's better to be in a place where you're. You know you're happy in your work and you're contributing, than to be somewhere where where you're not. And I, mm. and I don't I just don't see him contributing to to Celtic going forward. On the on the basis just again on the basis of what I've seen, I'm, I don't I don't have the data to back that up. You don't uh, you don't seem like a man who's familiar with a low risk purchase. Looking at that shirt, Alan, that is that is a belt. <laughs> I'm about to head out after this. So. <laughs> <laughs> looking pretty snazzy, I must say. Um, a little bit with more. With a Um Brian, I think I think you more than most on Axom have been um, pretty sure of your opinion of of Adiguchi and his impact or his likely impact. Um, I don't think you were quick to make a judgment, um, but certainly you've been pretty certain for a, for a while now that, uh, that that he's not going to fit in at Celtic and that perhaps his time has, has come. How did it make you feel to, to hear that potentially we are offloading him and and that he will be perhaps going back to his, his homeland? Um, well, first of all, I'll, I don't think you've been particularly harsh, but if you were harsh, I'll probably be harsher. <laughs> well, maybe not, maybe not as harsh as Laura with that two fifty tackle. <laughs> Some of the stuff I've worn, I don't know why. I... <laughs> um, but Gucci, I um, yeah, I, I, it's not that I'm totally delighted that him individually is leaving. But what I think it's indicative of is Angie's sort of look. You're not quite cutting that. Move on and and cutting the dead without pretty quickly. He seems pretty ruthless in that regard. Um, hence the tagline and. I think that's a really good approach. 
I think, you know, regardless if somebody's a really good player or not, you know, look at Timo Pukki, clearly a very good player. Celtic wasn't for him. That's all right. But it's identifying that and moving on. You can get into a trap where you keep saying, oh, give him a chance, give him another chance, give him another chance. You get to a point where they're there three years, they're not going to be doing anything. It's three years of their career. So I think it's probably best for everyone. He moves on. I think the telling thing for me is when Callum McGregor get injured mm. and neither James McCarthy, Abogard, or Gucci, who are all supposed to be number sixes, got a game instead of being your best attacking players and really moved him back. So yeah. that was very telling for me. You could maybe say that Abogard isn't quite in, uh, up to speed yet. No sure I buy that, but there's maybe a case for him not playing. Mm-hmm. But I think when you've got you know, two or three players sitting on the bench that can play a position that's now vacated and you then sacrifice another player to fill that position, I think it's very clear where they, they are in the pecking order. And as I say, just based on, to, to quote out the eye test, the reason I was fairly, I wasn't a snap judgment, but whenever I saw him play, I thought, I don't, I don't get it. I, don't, I couldn't identify what type of player he was. I couldn't say, you know, he's a very good passer, he's a very good tackler, he's very good off the ball, he's, you know, good vision for passes. There was nothing I could... Not he's a good player, but there wasn't a, an identifiable quality about him that I thought, we get him fit, he's going to really be an asset to the team. And um, and I think, you know, whether you're a, to, to Jim's earlier point, which just got the end off when I came on, whether it's Carter Vickers, Jota, Idiguchi, McCarthy, whatever the player is, if it's uh, either an offer comes in that the club thinks is suitable, they'll go, or if they're not com- contributing, they'll go. The, the beauty of the situation we're in is that I feel like Angie's on it to the point where we're now prepared for any eventuality. So if a last-minute bid comes in for Carter Vickers and he thinks, you know, what's too good to refuse, yeah, it'd be absolutely hard to replace one of the hardest other than McGregor to replace, I would say. But I think there's plans in place for all these players and that gives me massive confidence. If this had been a few years ago and we're talking about selling players and I'd be panicked, going, well, forget a placement, what about this an unknown quality, this might be a gamble... I'm a bit more confident with, with Angie's signings so far. Um, obviously, accepting that Eddie Gucci was one of his signings. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's... I mean, I'm going to sound like Mary Poppins compared to these two, but, but I think uh, one of the things that, that Alan has said in the past, and I've paid attention to Alan honestly, is something like, is it 900 minutes you need to properly assess a player? So you know, I had 900 minutes, and I think the biggest thing in football is, is how confident players are. And I think it's confidence is a pretty low... He looks at his Japanese compatriots thinking, these guys are all doing really well. I haven't done anything. I'm, I'm injured. Things are bad. And I'd, before cutting the ties, I'd like to see him go out to a Hibs or an Aberdeen or Dundee United or something like that and give him a few months and see what he's like. But, but at the end of the day, Ange will know because Ange is a, is a very smart cookie and he'll let him know from training. If, if, if training's full on and he's not cutting the training, then yeah, I think he'll let him go at that point. One other player, sorry, I forgot to mention, when I was talking about number sixes, is Scott Robertson. Mm. Uh, another young guy that's been on the bench and there or thereabouts, and again, never featured either. So you, you don't imagine that's going to fare too well. And to Jim's point, yeah, you could you could apply that logic to any player. You've said about, you know, Rocco Batter, who we've not seen much of, Bass and Law, who we've not seen much of, Seagrass, who's just in the door, we've never seen much of. So I think that's different. I don't think the, the 90 minutes thing applies to every player, depending on what their, their squad status is. And he's a good shade, I suppose, was brought in to be a first team player, but. It's clearly just no what. And as I say, Ange might have, maybe at the time, when you looked at the midfield, he thought that he could maybe bolster a couple of positions after injuries. But now we've stocked up a little bit. You probably feel there's not a lot of room for him. Mm-hmm. And again, to John's point as well earlier, we don't 
actually know if anyone's going anywhere. So this is all sort of um, surmising at this stage. But also, just to pick up the point you made, Brian, that, that you said it, that it hasn't worked. I mean, he's not had a chance to make it work. You know, that's, that's why I think it's unfair to see where they should stay or go until you've actually seen that. And I think uh, the team are so good, the players are so good, he's, not, he's, he's, he's a bit below them in terms of match, in terms of minutes, etc., etc. So I think until he gets those minutes, I mean, if we were to wrap up the league early and we've got a few games at the end of the season, maybe it's a game then, but I would just like to see him play to see if he's like, there's no way he's going to play for Celtic, I don't think, in the next few months. So it's either loan or leave, and I think, from my personal point of view, I think a loan would be good just to see what it's like. Uh, that's fair nice. points, I think. Um, Paul Andrew Martin says, player who came in needed to make an impact, and sadly Gucci hasn't looked like a similar one with Abelgard, which we'll go on to discuss. Ridiculizer rubbing it in, saying it's only 23 degrees wherever he is today, so... Uh, I don't know what that feels like. And um, Emma Barnes, Fahrenheit. thank you for watching <laughs> on um, Twitch. Aye, Fahrenheit is a bit closer to what we're at. Um, Alan, I guess the the next thing to discuss, um, and, and Jim will come to you on this in terms of your opinion of it in general, but Alan, I'll come to you first. Um, it is all rumours at this point, but given that we've we've brought players in, the assumption is that there will be players going out. What is your attitude in terms of how ruthless you want the club to be in terms of keeping hold of players or not? Are you wanting to see a little bit more of a cutthroat attitude in terms of making decisions more sharply to, for various reasons, obviously, to make sure that we're not holding on to players that are of no use to us, but also from a financial perspective? Are you wanting to see that more ruthless side to the club going forward? <coughs> Yeah, I don't think we've got a choice. Um, we have to be, I mean, uh, uh, Anne just said this himself, we have to accelerate uh, the rate, the turnover uh, of players, probably both in and out. Uh, and the reason for that is that, you know, the only way we're going to grow the quality of the squad is to sell players, to buy, to sell players at a high premium, uh, to buy players at a lower premium, develop them, and, and then repeat, and I've got to. And although, you know, Celtic have done that reasonably well and, and very well. If you if you use Scotland as your benchmark, we've not done that well. If you use a lot of clubs in Europe as your benchmark <coughs> and um, compare their European performances to Celtic's uh, performances, we need to get away from. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Thinking of our benchmarks as being, you know, clubs in Scotland, and think about what are equivalent clubs in Europe, and, and how are they performing? Because our results in Europe have been so dreadful for twenty years, more or less, that um, you know, we, we that 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 has to be, you know, the, the, the where we're aiming for. So, you know, you need to move players on. You need to take opportunities to sell players that you don't necessarily want to sell in terms of. They're performing well. They're in the first team, but if you can sell them at an absolute premium, and that means you can buy three players that you will eventually sell for that same price, 
you have to do that. It's the only way that we can grow the, the squad because we're lot we're landlocked in a very poor performing league as far as commercials are concerned, television revenue, prize money. The only variable that we can play with is uh, you know sponsorship, which is been broadly flat for the last you know most of Lowell's reign actually you know we've got some good contracts but it's, the, the trend is relatively flat we haven't grown our commercials that well but even if we did it would be by maybe a couple of million a year that's not it's not going to change be a game changer and therefore you're left with competing at European football level and getting more income that way but especially under the new financial sustainability rules you cannot budget and estimate that you're going to get to the Europa League final every year mm. or get to the last 16 of the Champions League every year because you'll eventually fall foul of the, the various checks and balances under FSR. Um, and so, you know, there's a limit to how much you can um, spend. Therefore, you have to keep within a sustainable level of, of, of spending to match a sensible level of revenue that you can estimate for. Therefore, I come back to what levers have you got? And, and, and the, the obvious lever is selling players. Uh, so absolutely, we have to accelerate it. It's the only way we're going to grow because we're going to have to take a more prudent approach to, to, to financial planning on a go-forward basis because of FSR. Yeah, um, just before I come on to Jim, uh, Lanky says it's minus nine in certain parts of Govan. It certainly is. Um, but the less said about that, the better, or who knows. And Govan, you say Govan, Laura. You say Govan, you say Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> Glasgow, I sorry, you, sorry, I, I, I gave it. I gave it. I, I think. I think. I think that was a joke <laughs> that was being made there. By the way, <laughs> um, Jim, given what you've said about Idiguchi maybe getting a, a chance, and and assuming this maybe applies a little bit more widely to the to the squad in general, you, where does it sit with you, Alan, talking about this more ruthless approach? Is that something you're you're kind of against? Do you want? more of a chance for these players or a, a bit more of a chance for players to settle in or can you see the advantages of that 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 more ruthless approach? I think there's a balance in that. You, you, you can have someone that's cutthroat and also, and also ruthless. It's, it's, they're not mutually exclusive. And uh, I think every business is cutthroat and football is no different. And uh, I, I always kind of get back to that. I mean, obviously we've never been involved in the game at any kind of level at all. I, I, I coach kids football for the best part of 20 years. So that gives mm-hmm. you a wee inclination of how you might think if you were a manager, say. And in that time, I took school teams, I took boys club teams, and it's a different mentality with each of them. Whereas if you take a school team, you play the cards you're dealt with. Like you can't just pull in somebody from a different school to, to play for your school team. And a boys club is where it depends on your objective to run the boys club. Do you want to make them the best boys club possible or do you want to give everyone a game and kind of be fair. And I was the kind of latter of those two because every week somebody would say, I've got a pal, he's really good. He's better than this guy. So if I wanted to make my team better, I'd say, oh, I bring him on. That's fine. But I didn't want to do that. But in football, that's what you do all the time. If you're supposed to Coglu, you want a better player than Yota. You want a better player than Carter Vickers. So you go out and get them. And as Alan said, if you can get them for cheaper and you can sell Yota for big money, that's what you do. And as I've said before, you don't, I mean, Football's becoming a bit like chess, I think. Like, don't become too attached to players, Brian, Matt O'Reilly, because <laughs> he's going to move at some I mean. point. <laughs> the, Matt, the Matt O'Reilly boys here. So don't become too attached because they're going to move along 
soon. And I'd said last time I was on, if we can keep Martirelli, Hitati, Kyogo for another season, that would be great. But I've got no great expectation of them going beyond that. And there'll become a time where it's the optimum time to sell these guys. Uh, Brian mentioned Carter Vickers. I mean, Carter Vickers went to the World Cup there. So he's in a completely different place to where he was 18 months ago. That's a guy who couldn't get a game for any team. All of a sudden, he's playing the Champions League. All of a sudden, he's playing the World Cup. So, so his mindset is different because, you know, and I know there's stories in the paper that, you know, the Yakimakis thing, that when Yakimakis came, he'd be happy to accept X pounds per week. But fast forward, he scored a goal in the Champions League. He's played a title-winning team. He was, he was top scorer last season. He's looking at other players again. You've got a different, different view altogether. And Ange has to manage that. And that's when Ange said before that it's not his job to keep people happy. It is his job to keep people happy, but it depends what your definition of happiness is. Because if I'm Yakimakis, I'm not getting the game time I got last year. I'm not happy about this. Mm. If my money's not as good as I thought, as I think I'm entitled to, I'm not happy about this. Maybe Ange, all Ange you do is give the guy a game, but maybe Ange doesn't want to give the guy a game. So it's a huge balancing act. And yeah, you have to be cut through it at the same time as well. So And that's what makes the manager's job so complex. And that's why it gets the big bucks that it gets. But yeah, you have to be cut through it. If you're a manager of a football team and you want success, you've got to be looking to replacing every single player you've got with somebody better. And the complexity is you're going to sell players and you're going to buy players and you're getting good value for money and all, and all that kind of stuff as well. So to balance all that stuff out, I think, is, is hugely complex. And we've all got different views on these things. So if Matt O'Reilly went tomorrow, I think we should get X and Alan thinks we get Y, Brian thinks we get Z, you know, so... But depends who's willing to pay the money at the time. So hugely complex area. But to answer the question eventually, yeah, cutthroat, definitely cutthroat. Yeah. Um Brian, I guess to to close off this particular part of the conversation, we've talked there about you know, Jim and Alan have covered a number of the players that we have in the squad, Jota, <coughs> Jackamakis, um, Maeda, <coughs> other ones. We seem to be able to source fullbacks, centre backs couple of goalkeepers, forward players. The reason that I think the Adiguchi thing is such an interesting topic is because that number six role, as you said, we've got like three players that is supposedly their natural position and yet we're playing players who's not natural in that position there when there's an injury. Why do you think we find it so difficult in comparison to other parts of the squad to, to get players that are of an appropriate quality for that position? I think it's it's hard to say because if you look at the way Angie's team plays, I mean, like Callum McGregor isn't a natural number six, really. But what he's very good at that no one else has is his turnover or possession and attack. Whereas Avogad would probably be a traditional number six, big, strong, defensive minded, and then passes. So and even O'Reilly when you when he sat back in that position, he was more like a number six than McGregor actually is. Mm. You're, you're not just trying to find a, a player for that position you're trying to find a player who does what McGregor does and therein lies the problem I think because it's quite specific and I think that's a bit harder to find mm. it could be the case that maybe we've found players and they've been you know at a decent level where they're going to be playing every week and he's thought well I'm not going to replace my captain so is it worth it I'm not sure it could be replaced if you've just not found any yet um, but you know listen to Jim and Al, what's interesting is this thing of optimization comes up a lot, and I think it's really accurate because that's <laughs> having really complimentary about our player trading model, particularly under Ange, because I think that he's been doing what Celtic have been trying to do for a mm-hmm. long time. 
He's just doing it better than most people. But, and this is where it's, it's not really a negative, but when you talk about balancing acts, I think we, when we're recruiting now, we need to be buying players younger. Because if we're looking at, say, like, players coming in, spending a couple of seasons and then moving on, using that money to buy somebody else in that sort of mould, if they're, like, 18 or 19, A, their selling value is considerably higher, and B, they're more likely to stay for a couple of years longer. If you see them at 20, 23, 24, 25, they're probably already thinking of their next big move, and it's harder to keep them for that period of time. And I just think, yeah, you want to, there's certain areas where you need to bring experience in, but that has to, I'd rather see maybe sign a, a couple of 29, 30 year olds that they have for experience in, for say, the Champions League or in certain positions, like, say, like a Joe Hart, right? Perfect example. But then you get more guys like Abada, who are 18, 19, can come in and do a job. And I think that'd be a more efficient version. Like, I see some of the players were linked to you, 26, 27, and you think, how how big is that sale on value going to be for the investment? And if they're that good at that age, are they going to stay to Celtic long, long enough to justify the impact? So that, I think that there's a few kinks, I think. Also, we're linked to every player under the sun, so you don't know who's actually going to come in. I think the boy Kobayashi is a good example at 22. So mm. that slightly contradicts what I'm saying about being 18, 19, but then in the Japanese league, that's really young. And he's got plenty of time to, you know, two seasons playing really, really well. He can transform as a player. Mm. Um, whereas 28, 29, that's a bit harder. And then you're buying for a different purpose. So I'd like to see a, a, a sort of clearer, almost commitment to what we're saying, because it feels a bit wishy-washy at times with Celtic. It's yeah. Like players who can be Champions League players, but also develop and move on. And I don't think that really works. I think it's almost someone can play that level right away. And you sign players who can potentially play there. And that has to be the mix. But I think we need to commit in one way or the other because the mishmash approach doesn't always work. So he ran a bit good because he can come in straight away in a position we needed it because we didn't really realise how well Ralston was going to come on. And then he's probably going to be away. Do you think 18 months? I can understand why that happened. But I was looking at saying a replacement right back. I'm not sure I'd went for a 24-year-old, as good as he may be, if we're sick to that mould. If we're just going to say, well, every transfer window we regroup just for the first team, and we're not having a sell-on trading, player trading model, fine. But I think you need to commit either side of it. And it now it's, it's a bit muddled for me. So, Brian, I, I, I think it's a lot to unpack there, but um, I think we have to be flexible. I don't think there's a one, a one rule fits all here. I think we have to be smart, really. If I had to summarise it, we have to be smart. Uh, and what does being smart mean? It doesn't mean that you only buy 18, 19-year-olds. It doesn't mean that you only buy 30-year-olds. It doesn't mean you only buy someone that's got at least 25 caps. It means that you you, 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 you try and find value. That's really what it comes down to. And that could be anywhere on the spectrum of age or, or price point. Uh, so, um, for example, one of the reasons, one of the things I, I think there's... There's, there's, there's evidence over the last 18 months, uh, which is a coincidental amount of time, um, where we've suddenly been acting very smart in the transfer window. Uh, and, 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 and I'll give you a number of examples of that. So you mentioned Juranovic. So Juranovic was 27, an established international player. He, he was massively undervalued in the market at two and a half million. He was an absolute steal. It's one of these, you just have to do it because, uh, you know, the, where would you pick up? I mean, Croatia are one of the, the, the top international you know, nations in the world, uh, and he's a regular right-back, and he was only two and a half million. And, and so you just that was something you just had to do. Similarly, 
Haksabanovic and Abulgar, um, that was that was taking advantage of distressed a distressed seller. You know, the, the Russian clubs obviously have got sanctions applied. And here was again Abulgar is twenty six years old, he's <clears throat> has broken into the Danish squad. Uh, here was somebody who, you know, I think we've only got him on loan for a year. Uh, it was it was a low risk opportunity to get a relatively experienced player. Abada Abada was was a was we've probably fitted the model you were talking about. But in terms of if we focused, and I agree with you conceptually, ideally we'd want to focus on that 17, 18, 19-year-old market. But the problem is that uh, global scouting is now so pervasive and so um, extensive and far-reaching, you know, people setting up camps in African countries and all sorts of things, Some, you know, some all, all sorts of fairly borderline moral, moral practices to try and uncover and sift out young talent. If you're if you're going to try and find the best eighteen year olds in the world, not only is it a risk for a club like Celtic that has to win every week, um, but the price point for those top talents is now being pushed up and up and up because there are well resourced clubs like Salzburg and Leipzig who are in the market for exactly those players and are prepared to spend ten million plus on teenagers. Um, knowing that their target is to sell them for thirty, forty million, we're nowhere near that model, and we can't we can't just adopt that model because we're just not geared up to do. It. We're not capitalised to do it, and the only reason that we'll get closer to that and grow is I come back to we have to we have to accelerate the churn. So where we have been smart, and I think a space that we are operating in at the moment is 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 the sort of space that got us a Jota and a Carter Vickers, which is. These were young players who were identified very early as teenagers, as being very talented, and, and very early they moved uh, to a top club. So Yota was came through Benfica's system and was very highly regarded. Kartvikas were uh, was hoovered up by Tottenham. Uh, Haksabanovic uh, moved to West Ham United in the Premier League when he was about sixteen. Okay. And what happened for all those players is, for whatever reason, and there are various reasons, uh, they never made it at these very big clubs where, where there's where there's very few teenagers will get into anywhere near the first team. And so what Celtic have done is picked up players who've been at smaller clubs, got the big move, not made it at that big club for whatever reason, and then in their very early 20s, they're thinking, right, I need to play. I'm a good player. I know I can do it, but I need to find somewhere that I can, at the age of 21, 22, 23, I, 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 I can grow. And that's that's what Celtic can sell. We're a big club. Um, you'll get first team minutes. You'll get Europe and, and you'll be in the short window and you'll, 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 be in, you'll be in there to win things. And that, that, so that's, so we're, we're looking at that sort of, as I say, that sort of, almost like call it the second chance market. People that have been very talented as, in, in the age group you're talking about Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. 
trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It hasn't worked out for them. This is their second chance. And I think that's, I think that's a rich scene because... What has happened over the last 10 years, as you know, is that a lot of clubs have hoovered up young players and, and carried enormous squads. Chelsea, Man City are good examples of that. Used the loan market to get them experience and actually flipped them. A lot of those, most of those players, they'll flip them for a small, a smaller or a lot, even large profit. Um, now, again, under financial sustainability, that, that's going to squeeze the ability to do that, to carry all that cost on your on your balance sheet because you, you, won't, you just won't be able to do it. So that, that kind of, that kind of model may, 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 may reduce over, over the years. And we might go back to being able to pick up the odd 18 year, 90 year old from Croatia or from Sweden or what have you, uh, and get in there first. But at the moment that's not possible because of the, the reach of these mega clubs, therefore go for the sort of secondary, the secondary market of, right. This is your second chance to make it. That makes sense. Oh, also, I think just just to butt in there, sorry that although it's cutthroat, and I agree with everything the guys have said there. The, the biggest thing about football is luck, I think. And what makes football be even more cutthroat is like if you were going to bring in a, in, a, in, a, in a known football environment, a chief executive say, like based on experience and knowledge, knowing that he or she should do a good job, he or she's not going to yellow her to get cropped. You know, if if we just say a badder. And putting Aloha in the League Cup when he gets cropped after 25 minutes and doesn't kick a ball for six months, would we be looking at Abada the way we look at Idaguchi? I think it's just your luck. I believe in all the theories of who we should buy, etc., etc. But then luck, I think, in football plays a massive, massive part. Speaking of um, opinions of players and how they can change and how circumstances do that, um, Mark E says, um, if we were interested in... Uh, if we were watching Juranovic in the World Cup, knowing Celtic were interested in signing him, we'd be ecstatic. Um, that in mind, Jim, I think Juranovic has shown his qualities at the World Cup. But another couple of players that everybody's obviously been watching closely is is Aaron Moy and um, Daisy Maeda. Um, Aaron Moy specifically has put in a couple of um, really outstanding individual performances and Maeda's been part of a Japan team that reached the last 16 and beat a couple of World Cup giants along the way. Jim, have you has your opinion of Maeda or Moy improved or changed in any way seeing them in action for their, their national teams as opposed to their performances for Celtic? It hasn't changed. Uh, I think you've got two ways of looking at it. Again, you've got, you've got the eye test and you've got the stats and obviously Alan will know the stats uh, right, left and centre of them. I think fans tend to make their mind up about players pretty early on and don't change their mind. <laughs> No matter what the evidence says, no, no, I don't like this particular player. And I think Moy and Maeda, I think for most fans, wouldn't be first-team staffers. They'd be guys coming off the bench. I think we've got a better, in my opinion, sorry, we've got 11 players who are better than the two of them. And I think they also, the functions that they carry out for the team are quite unfashionable. They're not a striker, they're not a wing, they don't take players on. So they're not playing every week. And but I think what they do, they do really well. I think Ange obviously rates them. Uh, Maeda's playing for Japan. I mean, what's, what's the population of Japan? Hundred odd million. You know, he's he's, he's first team pick for Japan, so he must be good. 
you know, despite what the armchair fans like like us think, it must be good to be the best living in Japan out of 100 million people. Must be. Uh, Moy, same idea. I mean, he's a. They're both first picks. Mm. It'd be different if it was somebody who's on the bench and maybe get a game sometime. So the managers of those two nations rate them really highly. They're first picks. Uh, they're putting the World Cup. Uh, they've, they've, they've done really well as well. So I think maybe your question is for those who maybe doubted them. I didn't doubt them because I'll get back to that evidence thing that Alan talked about, this, this 900 minutes thing. I'm not sure Moyes had 900 minutes, Alan, has he? For Celtic. For Celtic. For Celtic. Um, uh, you carry on. I shall come back to you. <laughs> I, I thought you just went like that and bang. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so they're obviously good players and anyone Ange signs, because I think at the start, <laughs> we weren't very sure about Ange. Is that right? <laughs> I was close, 8 2 three. I was sure. <laughs> hey, I'm now the stats man. So I think uh, Ange obviously... Thanks for good players. I think at the start when we were we were unsure of Ange, I think the players that Ange has brought in, we're not we're no longer not sure of Ange. We are now saying, well, if Ange likes them, they must be players. And even mm. though they might not be our favourites, they might not be our Matt O'Reilly's to these two guys here. You know, it's a team game and we play a lot of games and we need a squad and we need players that we can depend on. And I think they've both had obviously loads of minutes so and we can depend on them both and if you look at some of the games maybe Moy not so much but Maeda came on at Motherwell scored the goal it turned to the, the winning goal you know so he's, he's he's certainly contributed and he's a guy who can play in a number of places uh, up front which we haven't tried him too much when he, when he first came in was, was, it, was it the Hibs game his first game he played centre forward and scored the goal think within, so, yeah. within five minutes so you know we can play him anywhere, anywhere across the front line that's good as well. So I think they're both really good players. And you signed them, which means he must think they're good players as well. I don't think there's any debate at all. Yeah, um, Brian, the, the the discussion around a lot of the pre-World Cup chat for Celtic players was, you know, the surprise at, at Maeda going and, and, and Kyogo not going for Japan. But I think what's been clear, um, as Jim kind of alluded to there, is that the style that Japan play... Um, Maeda certainly does a very effective job for and, and and as Jim said he's a starting player, he's not even just a squad player for them so it's clear that, that his strengths are, are there to be exploited but the one that interests me a lot more actually is Aaron Moy just because he's put in some good performances for Celtic but he's not, he's been far from a popular player amongst the Celtic support in general and yet we've seen him go in Regardless of the fact he can't get a starting a permanent starting berth for Celtic, he's at the heart of that Australia midfield for all of their games at the World Cup. He, he was applauded particularly for his his performance against France and, and and throughout the group stage. Really, do you see this giving him a kind of boost as far as coming back to Celtic and 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 maybe making that number six role that we talked about a bit more his own until such time as Callum McGregor's back up to full fitness? I'd. No, it's the, the short answer. Really. <laughs> uh, just in terms of, I think Aaron Moyes a player. I said when we signed, a lot of people were, were going crackers about him when he signed, but I, I thought it was a decent signing. I thought it didn't cost us anything. He was well known to the manager. He's a really good passer of the ball. He can play a couple of positions. I was concerned about him sitting deeper because I don't think, I think the way he plays for Australia it's a completely different system than the way he plays at Celtic and I don't know if he's got the physicality to play mm. that role well enough for Celtic. It's nothing to do with him as a player. He's a very good footballer. I just don't know if he's got the 
the, the sort of the athleticism needed for that role at Celtic. But I think he's good to have in the squad. I think he's a clever player. I think he's good to come on. I think he's good for the younger players run about him. Um, it's it's almost a similar attitude. I don't think he's a good player, but the similar way I view Turnbull in a way, and that I think Turnbull's excellent as a player. I really like him, but I'm I'm never hundred percent sure how he really fits in our midfield. Although I would see, you could put him in another team, and he'd be the best player in the league. So I, I think it, I think it just depends on you know he can play really well in one system for one team, but it doesn't quite work in another. Um, but I don't think my opinions changed the more. I think I've always thought he's been quite a good player. I don't think he's going to replace certainly going to replace O'Reilly, Itati, or McGregor as starters if they're all fit. Mm. Um, I think if Turnbull's fit, he would start ahead of him as well. But I think he's good to have. And plus, it's, he's an experienced player. I don't think he's going to get go to the World Cup and suddenly think now, oh, I'm actually a really good player. I think he's he's confident enough. I think if he's 21, getting that exposure, then yeah, I think he'd be a massive boost for him to come back. Um, but I, I think he's, he's experienced enough. He knows what he can do. He's he's comfortable his own skin in many plays. So I don't think it's going to make him a better signing for Celtic. Um, and I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be our number six. Although I do think he's a good player. But like Jim, my opinion of him hasn't really changed from before he went. Um, Maeda is a funny one. He's it's funny when Jim says because he's never been like a favourite of mine. Mm. Although I do see his qualities. I, I think. He's one of those players, I think it depends who else plays with him, is how effective he can be. I think, you know, when he was next to Jackie Marquez and he had like a, a kind of traditional winger on the other side, I think he was best because he could do all the hard work and let Jackie Marquez score and let the winger, you know, put the crosses in. Mm. But I think it depends where you play him. I think sometimes if the dynamic's not quite right for him, he doesn't show up that well. Um, but he is an excellent player. It's just, he's just, it's sort of funny because he's not. I don't think he's an out-and-out striker. I don't really think he's a winger either. He's almost a bad-esque in that regard. He's kind mm. of in between. Uh, but mm. obviously he's got great quality. And again, my, my opinion of him, I'm not going, oh, my head is going to come back and absolutely destroy the league. I think he'll come back and he'll do what he's been doing. We're just coming on now and again and, and, and playing in certain, uh, certain games. Yeah. Uh, Jim, I don't think you need to worry about Brian challenging you for Mary Poppins of Axe so many times soon, that's for sure. Well, it's the fact he said he's not my favourite. He's not my favourite. Only Matt's Brian's favourite. <laughs> just cut it now. It's just in case he's watching. I don't want him taking that. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Although, if Instagram's anything to go by, Brian, I think we're both out of the running as far as that's concerned. So. <laughs> I, I, my, my, she's actually, it's funny because um, I used to, have been, I remember when Jota first signed, and I, my missy started a crush on Jota. She's like, why did you get a crush on guy? I was like, it was Michael. And then I was like, I know when Matt O'Reilly came, I was like, no, that's okay then. Matt O'Reilly's the guy. So it's, uh, it's the first time I think my missy's been jealous of a Celtic player. But no, it's, it's like, I think the, the reason I would say is like, Matt O'Reilly for me is an absolute cut above. There's guys that are in the squad, but the guys like O'Reilly, Jota, I think Hatati on occasion, McGregor, CCV, who are the real standouts in our team. Um, Kyogo as well although his forms are a bit up and down this season but there's certain people I think are, are just excellent footballers and, and are real cut above and Maeda Moyes they're, they're no as they're valuable to the squad but they're not anywhere near there for me mm. um, Alan I'll come to you on the, the, the general your general opinion I don't know how much you've got a chance to see Australia and Japan at the World Cup but what, if you have managed to see any of them what's mm. your opinion of of Maeda and Moy and, and you know, any potential improvements to their game that they might be able to bring back to a Celtic shirt? 
And I, I mean, I don't think I've seen anything that didn't surprise me. They've been true to themselves and played in a way that I know they can play. But they're being used for their countries in ways that are completely different, and the demands are completely different to what um, uh, they, they, what they need to do for Celtic. So Maeda has been used. I mean, and, and he was specifically picked ahead of Kyogo, um, and he was specifically picked to play against the likes of Spain and Germany, and just to basically harass their back lines as much as possible for sixty minutes, sixty-five minutes, and then you know bring on more of a footballer, if you like. Uh, after that, and and so it was a horrible job for him in a sense, but he got like four, you know, three three starts out of it at World Cup, and he got rewarded for all his hard work with a goal against Croatia, where he he, he was terrific. He was terrific doing the things we know that he can do. There was nothing that he was doing that we haven't seen. He didn't touch the ball very much. He didn't create very much. Um, he took his goal quite well, and he and he and he absolutely ran his heart out and worked his socks off for the team and he did the job that he was asked to do excellently. No surprise in any of that. So to me, it doesn't change what, what he is uh, and, and uh, how he may be used. He's still, as as um, Brian said, he's 24, so he's still relatively young for a, a Japanese player. Um, and I think there's still growth in him and he's he's got attributes which which will have utility, I think, in Europe and, and domestically. So, you know, um, you know, but but we have to be you know honest about is the things he can't do. There's a lot of things he can't do. He's not going to be super creative. He's not going to be whipping crosses into the six yard box. He's not going to be beating three players and smashing one in the top corner, etc. You know there are limitations there, but there's a lot of utility as well. Um, I think for Moy, exactly the same. You know Moy is an incredibly intelligent, technically gifted football player. And you can't have enough of those in your squad, frankly. Um, but again, for Australia, his job was to get the ball and really slow the game down <laughs> because, you know, they didn't want it to be a helter-skelter, high-pressing, high-energy game because they would have got overrun by the teams that they were playing. So they wanted to make it a, a more sedate game. And, and the way that he controlled the tempo of the game in their midfield was, was superb and exactly what Australia needed in that tournament. That's no good for Celtic. Celtic need to play at a high tempo. And I think, you know, we saw in the St Mirren game <laughs> where he was, him and Turnbull were asked to provide the impetus in central midfield that we couldn't break through their block because we just weren't moving the ball quick enough. Um, having said all that, again, I think Moy's been pretty steady. He's, he's just under 900 minutes. I think he's actually shown his worth more as a link player not as the number six. I don't think he moves the ball quick enough as a six. And he's also not going to stop the, the, the fast transition on the way back. So I think he's actually been utilised more as a number eight. You know, we've got a lot of square pegs in our midfield. And unfortunately, you know, Brian talked about Turnbull and his limitations. Um, you know, we, we simply don't have enough athleticism in the middle of the park to be the team that Ange wants us to be. Uh, and again, I'm, I go back to the European benchmark, go back to Leipzig, Look at their midfield. Look at the the physical construction of their midfielders. Their their physical profile uh, allied to their technical ability. That's where we're trying to get to, and we're a long way short of that. Moy's not going to help us, but as a squad player, who mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. 
Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It provides excellent value, because I suspect it's not expensive. And as I say, it's just a very intelligent footballer. You know, he's going to have value on the training ground. He's going to have value with, by the example that he sets to the younger players. His ability to um, to read the game well is, is invaluable to young, younger players. So I think he'll be a great help to Hitati and O'Reilly as, a, as someone to, to learn from. But I don't think he's going to move the dial in terms of making us a better level European side because he, he, he really doesn't fit profile of this type of central midfielders that, that we want. But they've you know, they both did brilliantly at the World Cup. They both did their jobs superbly, but they're not the jobs that Celtic will generally ask them to do. Yeah, no, I think that's all that's all fair cop, as they say. Um, and I think it's certainly been clear to me that that um as good as they have been, they have certainly, as Alan said, been um asked to play different roles for their countries, perhaps because they aren't playing in the the dominant team in either situation and, and are having to, to uh, perform roles that are more about stopping the opposition than they are about overcoming the opposition. So um, I think that's that's fair to say. Um, Jim, to move on to a slightly different topic, it's, it's something that's interested me for a while now, um, talking about you know looking forward uh, towards the end of this season into next season. And, and a comment and a topic that keeps coming back up in my mind is is Joe Hart and how long he has left at Celtic and, and how we handle that transition, whether Segrist at age, I think he's still only 30 at the moment, for which for a goalkeeper is relatively young. Um, at what point do you think the baton is going to be handed over from Hart to Segrist if Segrist is going to become number one? Is that going to be a transition you think we'll see between now and the end of the season or is that something that will potentially happen in the summer, do you think? Talked about cutthroats earlier. I think all players are kind of cutthroat. If you're somebody playing in the position you play in, then you want them to go off for them. You want them to be substituted. You want them to be injured. You want them to be sold, basically. So if you're serious, you want to play first-team football. Um, and I think maybe it's different depending on the ages of the goalkeepers. I think if you're a young goalkeeper coming through and you're the second choice and you're, you're only 20, 21, you can see, well, at some point soon I'll be, the, I'll be number one. I suppose the older you get, it's maybe that maybe that's down to money. So if you if you're thirty years old, not going to game, but you're getting paid well, you're kind of happy where you are. But until Joe Joe Hart goes off for him, 
Joe Hart's a man with a jersey, so I, I don't think anything's going to change that soon. I think Hart's been okay. I see. I thought he was outstanding last season. He's, he's the odd blip as we saw in lives. I think he's been he's been great. The points Alan makes about you know players been 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 good for the squad and, and good in training and stuff like that. I mean, Hart's a fantastic example of that. So if he goes off form, that's the time that you change things. But up till then, I think he's going to have to be just be happy with you know cup games and friendly matches and don't know maybe. Sometimes if if a game has been won with the second half to come, you can maybe bring on Seagrass at half time or something like that to give them some game time. But uh, how you keep Seagrass happy, I'm not sure because I don't know what Seagrass's motivations are. Uh, Scott Baines is an interesting one. I mean, this guy's out of the picture altogether. Third choice, he's, he's nowhere near it. But then when you watch these things like you know Celtic teammates and they're chatting about different players, Baines gets mentioned quite a lot. He's a, he's a good guy in the training field, good guy. Just an all-round good guy. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's, it's a bit different from any other position, and it's a specialised position. You've got one guy who you need to get his jersey at some point in time, and you want to get his jersey. But I think that's been great, uh, great for the team, great for the club, great for the players. And until he starts to go off form a little bit, I think Seagus is going to have to wait. Yeah, uh, I think to quote what the kids say, Jim uh, Baines there for the vibes is what the kids say. Just the for kids the, say? For the... Okay. For the bants and the vibes. The bants. <laughs> um, kids, kids these days. <laughs> I'm certainly not one of them anymore either, that's t- fair to say. Um, Brian, your thoughts on the Joe Hart, Seagrass situation. Do you think Joe Hart's going to be number one for much longer? And if he isn't, is Seagrass the answer? Do we need to go out and look for, for somebody else again? Um, what's your thoughts on that? I don't think Hart's going anywhere anytime soon, to be honest, I think. He's, um, I know he's, he's an older player, but for a goalkeeper, he's still got a few years left, I think. I don't think his performances have been dropping anytime. I think he's keeping up a good standard. I think one of the things that's good about Hart, and it's one of those kind of unquantifiable things, is the way the effect he has on the defence. Because I don't think it's a coincidence that you know we've defended better since he's come in. I think it's his effect overall, his confidence, his aggression at corners, things like that. So I think he adds a lot in that regard with that experience. Mm-hmm. I think longer term, obviously, we'll, we'll be looking at a replacement. At some point, I don't think that replacement's uh, Seagrest. I suspect he was brought in as, as a sort of steady cover. I don't think he's going to be the, the long-term replacement for her. I think he won't, Andrew wants somebody that's a bit better with the ball at his feet. Um, but yeah, for me, Hart is, is number one and, and until... Unless he's a disaster of form and he really tumbles and he stops taking care of himself, or he just maybe he wants to move on. But I think he's, he's still got a, a couple of seasons yet. I wouldn't, it's not a position where I think, oh, we need we need somebody to come in. What will be interesting is how um, Toby Oberweni, <laughs> I think I see something. I'm not sure if I've answered that. Um, <coughs> I'd be interested to see where he is. I think this season's really big for him for January almost if he goes out and loan mm. and comes back. Because although I'm not necessarily a huge fan of players going to loan to other teams just because Ange plays such a specific way, I think keeper's different because he, he can do he can develop as a keeper without worrying too much about how Ange plays. I know he has to play with the ball at his feet, but that's something he can practice as a trainer. I don't think you need to be super active at that on the park. Um, so I'm interested to see if he comes in as a long-term replacement and that's what they have in mind. I would like us to start going in that model of, you know, as I mentioned earlier, some of the whether that's buying players or academy players, the price of these guys got a chance to replace. 
Um, but yeah, long-winded answer, but I don't see Hart going, going anywhere anytime soon. But he's been excellent for us, and I think he's got a couple of seasons yet. Um, just to get your thoughts on that, Alan, before we move on to the last topic, um, Joe Hart, I think, has proved himself to be even more of a key player than than many of us, myself included, thought he would be. Um, but the fact of the matter is, he is, as, as we've all talked about, getting that bit older, even for a goalkeeper, um, and even to, to, to bring up the kind of subject that Jim talked about with other players earlier, there's there's a potential that, you know, he might not want to make Glasgow his home for for the like the long term future. Um do you see Hart lasting much longer? If if not, what what are the other options? Is Segrist a, a a viable long term option for you or will we need to be looking elsewhere? So, so I mean what I'm hoping is you know if we think of this is Angeball sort of two point and next season sort of three what I want three to be is to reduce the number of trade-offs that I think we make on a number of positions and, and get closer to the model of coherence around players fitting the way that the manager wants to play. And I still think we're quite a long way off. And one of those areas is goalkeeper, and I think I've been consistent with this since the day Joe Hart signed. But I completely understand why he signed, because, you know, go to Ange rule number one, are you a good person, right? And and, and if you think about the bin fire that, that Ange came into, he, he he needed some people that were just solid citizens, just good professionals uh, to steady things because of all the turmoil that was about to be unleashed in terms of the volume of players sold and let go and the volume of new new, new people coming in. And, you know, what the big surprise to me with Hart was just what a nice guy he is, but also what a top, top professional he is to have around the place. So all those things are great. Um, if you want to look at the boil, if you want to leaving that on the table, then move on to performance and look at data. He's a poor fit to the system that we want to play, and his numbers are okay. He roughly saves the shots he should save, not not massively brilliant. Doesn't over over overreach in terms of saving things that that you know you, you, that you shouldn't accept, etc. So he, he does a solid job. I think is, is the way I would summarise it from a data performance perspective. You know, so w- w- why doesn't he fit the model? Um, he, I think, I, listen, I think he's made an absolutely brilliant effort to be a better goalkeeper with the ball at his feet. Um, and before people start piling on with, oh, I just want my goalkeeper to keep the ball out of the net, right? Why is this important? During a game for Celtic, the goalkeeper will make probably less than two, um, between two and three on a, on a poor day, saves in a game, right? But they'll have to distribute the ball around 30 to 40 times. That's why it's important. It's the volume of activity. So something that you're going to have to do 30 or 40 times that you're not very competent at versus something you are very good at, but you only have to do two or three times a game, right? And the other side of it is... Um, you know, in Scotland, obviously, there's a big emphasis on lumping high balls into the box. That's that's the culture and the way that football is often played in Scotland. But what is important in the context of how Celtic need to play is is speed and transitions and getting the ball forward quickly but accurately. So the ability for the goalkeeper to come and claim all those high crosses into the box, so to be agile and to be decisive 
and to to really you know take a lot of these high balls and then quickly transition the ball forward either with their feet or with their arms arms is um, is something that's really important. If I was to profile the perfect goalkeeper for Celtic and Hart, and that's not a strong point for Hart either. So for those reasons, he's not a good fit, and he's one of the many trade offs we have throughout the team, where other factors that he absolutely does bring in terms of his presence, his professionalism, his personality, uh, his general steadiness and competence. Um, but in terms of that next level and how do we move forward, and how do we get better, we should be, we need to be looking at somebody that fits more the profile that I've just described. And Seagrist isn't that either. Seagrist is a really good, competent goalkeeper, very similar to Joe Hart, just a bit younger. So, um, but he's a very, very good number two. I mean, if Hart got injured or whatever, I wouldn't be worried about having Seacrest come in. He would probably perform to almost exactly the same level as Hart is, which is a competent level and it's an acceptable level. But I'm talking about where we, where Postacogli wants to get to and how we become a better football team, how we become true to the vision of the football he wants to play. We're eventually going to have to find someone that fits that mould. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully we do. Whether it's whether it's Hart or Seagrist or whoever it is, we've we've struggled in the past, and I'm sure we will again in future. But whoever it is, we we hope they'll they'll match up to standard. Just before we finish off, I thought this was quite a fun question to finish it with. Ryan Kelly says, Laura, Allen, Brian, and Jim, eight left in the World Cup now. Who do you want to win it, and who do you think will win it? So I, I'm going to get nail my colours to the mast early. I think. France will win it because I think they've been the strongest performers. I think Brazil are performing well in spades, but it's got to be France for me. But who I want to win it, I'd just love Messi to to lift it. So if if Argentina could do it, that would make my heart happy. But my head says France. Um, Alan, I'll come to you first. Who do you think? Oh, Crikey, thanks. So I mean, I've watched <laughs> a lot of World Cups. I can't remember a last eight as strong as this in terms of I could make a case for every one of the last eight, including Morocco especially Croatia, because they're just such a good tournament football team. Um, and Luka Modric is just a wondrous player. Um, I could make a case for any of them actually winning the tournament. If, you know, not getting off the fence then, having said all that, who do I think is going to win it? Uh, um, oh, do you know, I, 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 I do struggle with this. I, I'm, I'm absolutely 100% with you in that I want Argentina to win it. I want Messi to win it. I want it to be the, his crowning. Gloria, I am, a, I am an old romantic in that sense, but you know that that guy has been consistently brilliant for you know seventeen year, eighteen years, performing at pretty much the same level year upon year upon year, and he's a good guy. You know, he's he's a, a nice person and a good professional, and a and I just hope, and he's the best player I will ever see in my life. Um, so yeah, I'd love that to happen. I just don't think the supporting cast is strong enough for Argentina, unfortunately. Um, I think Brazil and France, like you say, have been the standout teams. Um, I, if I had to pick, though, do you know what? I, 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 do you know what? I do think Croatia could win it. So they, I'm going to go a bit left field. I just well, think they're I'm, such I'm... a pragmatic. They've got such a mix between pragmatism, but the ability to strike as well with a good defence. I just, I, I think they could be a real surprise. I've got to say, Alan, you'd have disappointed me if you hadn't said Croatia. I'm just surprised you didn't go as far as Morocco, but I, I, I like it anyway. Um, <laughs> Give me another five minutes, yeah. <laughs> the ultimate, <laughs> ultimate hipster choice, I think, is what you're going to say. <laughs> Brian, I'll come to you next. Uh, who do you want to win it? Who do you think will win it? Are they the same person or different? 
I would like to wish that you win it actually for similar reasons to, to Al's outlined. Um, also, the selfish perspective of having a World Cup winner still playing for Celtic would be nice, but also I, I think Modric is, is one of the, the best ever. I think it's absolutely sensational. So I'd like to see them win it, but I think it will be probably, I want to say Brazil. I think initially I, I, I chose France, but I think Brazil just look a bit on form. Portugal mm-hmm. good as well. Uh, I thought the, the midfield really, really strong, but um, I'm going to say Brazil to win it, but I would like Croatia to win it. Interesting. Jim, close it out for us. What are your thoughts? <laughs> nice, concise, <laughs> nice, concise nice, concise answer from Alan there. That was about 20 minutes. Uh, anyway, so, uh, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be late for that funeral. Uh, head says France, head says France, heart says Argentina. Heads, all right, okay, okay. So, so let's same as you, same as me. Fingers crossed. Anyway, we'll be forty hours away from from finding out who the who the winner is this time next week. And uh, best luck to all of them. And by the way, I'm counting McAllister scoring for. Uh, for Argentina as as a Scottish goal, which actually makes me laugh because the the wonderful Derek Ray, who I've had some interactions with in the past, prides himself on uh, pronouncing his names correctly in the native tongue. But that did make me laugh when I heard him on the TV the other day say McAllister for uh, for Argentina, which I thought <laughs> did make me laugh a little bit. Um, but anyway, we shall see. It's been a fun one. Thank you very much, everybody, for watching. Thank you to Alan, to Brian and to Jim. And we will see you all again very soon for another Celtic State of Mind Bulletin. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.